You're listening to another life-giving message from Living Faith Church San Diego. We are a church for sinners by sinners, and we are on a mission to help you discover your purpose, live in power, and live out your God-given potential. For more information about Living Faith Church, text the word podcast to 1-888-305-2303. Again, text the word podcast to 1-888-305-2303. Now open up your hearts and minds for this transforming message from Living Faith Church. Tonight, I would talk to us tonight about the topic of spiritual authority. Say spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. When you get a man, let's say you get a Eugene. Okay? We get a Eugene. Stand in front of a big fat semi truck that's coming down the road at 80 miles per hour. And Eugene goes right there and puts his hand out in front to stop. How many of you guys know that he may stop? Or he or she may stop when we're driving the truck. So how many of you guys know that if you guys get Eugene, stands in front of a semi-truck, says stop, the truck might stop. It's gonna stop. So we hope it stops. <laughs> but they stop not because of Eugene, and he's a big burly man who will like crush that thing, but actually in reality we know that nothing can crush him. Mm-hmm. Now let's say Eugene's in the back of the truck, in the back of this big semi. And he goes, he's driving, and he's over here like honking, saying, stop, stop, and flashing his phone with the lights on, stop. How many of you guys in that truck driver would be like, what the heck are you doing back there, man? Like, I'm sorry, but what, what are you doing back there? But how many of you guys know, if he sees a different vehicle, with a man in a blue suit, with red and blue lights, and all he does is just turn, fix one thing on, that truck is coming to me and stop. Mm-hmm. Even if the cop is a scrawny little man, half the size, one fourth the size of this man, <laughs> how many of you guys know that it's not the size that caused the truck to stop? Mm-hmm. But it's on the authority that they have on that person. Mm-hmm. The cop has a lot of authority. And so we do know that aspect, where it's the aspect of when my dad, he's a command master chief in the Navy, he was a command master chief, retired. He retired actually, not just retired, like five years, six years ago. So he retired six years ago. And people to talk to him had to go through a lot of channels to get to his office. A lot of different people to talk to before getting to him. Mm-hmm. But for me, I just go and roll up in there, and I just walk right through his office, I'm his son. Mm-hmm. So there's a different authority I have than someone else who's out there. You see, authority gives you access. Authority gives you power. Authority is something that we all want. We all want authority. Every one of us has a somewhat desire in us to have some kind of authority. Authority says, I'm the boss, you listen to me, and you just, what I say goes. But tonight, as much as we love that authority, we're talking about tonight is spiritual authority. Say spiritual authority. So every one of us are spiritual beings. Whether you believe in this whole thing called Christianity or not, Jesus or not, we all understand that we are not of this world. Even those who believe in reincarnation believe that there's some kind of spiritual aspect to our lives. That they meditate, they go and like, be one with earth. I know a guy who just walks barefoot every single day of his life, when he can. 
I mean, why are you barefoot all the time, bro? That's kind of weird. Like, you're a hippie. Like, I'm not a hippie. Don't classify me as a hippie. I don't justify myself as a hippie. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but they were saying, I am just one with the earth. And we better watch out because tofu poop right there, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, how you like? But see, even though they don't believe in Jesus, they believe in some kind of spiritual. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Catch that. No matter what religion you believe in, you understand that some concept, we are spiritual beings. And so tonight I'll talk to you guys really quickly here about having that spiritual authority. Because we're on this earth for maybe like what? Let's just say 85, 90 years. But after that, what happens? We have, we're, we're then a spirit being. So for us to have, understand that everything in this life is spiritual. Say spiritual. Spiritual. Everything in this life is spiritual. Jack Canfield, I'm not sure where his faith is at, but he wrote a book called uh, Success Principles. And he talks about that we are all spiritual beings. Some people call that energy. We all have energy that we, we portray. So tonight we're talking about having spiritual authority. And because everything is spiritual, did you know that whenever you fight someone, and like when you fight someone, if you fight someone, but like the karate people, right? You know what they do? They do this thing, you know what they do that for? They, they do this, and they go, Hoya! But they first do this. It's the energy. Exactly. To lower their energy. Understand this, everything in our world in this life first happens spiritually. Happens spiritually. Something happens in the spirit before it happens physically. We're open to the verse Ephesians 6 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities. You see, by nature, every person is good. Including, including all the carrots. We're all good people. Have you guys ever seen the musical Wicked? Yes, I love that musical. You watched in New York? Wow, I'm jealous. So, it talked about the aspect of Elphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West, from Uzzanoaz. And the question that pops up is are people born wicked? Are people born a witch? And through watching the production, you find out no. She was actually a sweet, animal loving person but got turned wicked. In the same way is the aspect of every person's good in some aspect. Just some people are also witches with a capital B. <laughs> but something turned them that way. It's something deeper than that. So we have to understand that every aspect of our lives, the people that we struggle with, the people that we argue with, the people that we dislike a lot, that it's not them, something about that person got them to where they're at today because of what happened in their past. And it manipulated their spiritual being. So we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the of age, against spiritual laws of wickedness in the heavenly places. So if we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, we're battling all this spiritual stuff, how do we battle? How do we battle? We have the authority. The challenge is, is that we don't know the authority that we have. Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. What? Wait. Let us make man in our image. Who's God talking to here? God's talking about us. Let us make man in our image. We are made in His image. 
And the thing that God gives to us is what? Let them have dominion. So if you're in life right now, if you're living life right now, you don't feel that you're dominating life, you are not living the life that God intended for you to have. Let me say that again. If you're living life right now and you don't feel like you're having dominate, you're not dominating in this area, this area, this area, you're not dominating, you are not living the life that God intended for you to have. Because he says, let us make men in our own image and our likeness and let them have dominion. And so with that being said, there are three areas here that we have authority through. We have authority through, first off, Jesus. Luke 10.19 Behold, I give the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So having the spiritual authority. Now let me just say this right now. Let me pause. I love this because someone was, talks to me about like, oh, are you the pastor that believes in touching scorpions and serpents and, and drinking poison in the name of Jesus? Spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. So Jesus here is not saying, kid a scorpion, I got authority over you, come over here scorpion, run, okay? He's a scorpion, run. But what we're talking about here is the aspect of trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. My friends, what we're talking about here, what Jesus is talking about here, is not the actuality of it. You see, even Jesus himself was told, if you're the son of God, go and jump off this cliff. Hello? But then Jesus is like, uh, nah, I'm good. And he's Jesus! So don't actually do that. What we're talking about here is the aspect of he has given you the authority. Jesus says, I have given you authority. And authority is key. So how do you get authority? First off, is through Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. And when I say Jesus, I'm not talking about, for those of you who are brand new to our church, we are probably the most non-religious church out there. Okay, I'm going to say this right now. We are the most non-religious church out there. So those of you who are brand new, you've been like, oh, we're going to go ahead and sit, stand, we're going to say our this, we're going to repeat after When I say repeat after me, it's because I want to make sure you're awake. Okay? <laughs> if, ever, if I ever say, say touch someone, tell them, you know, hello. Say, hello. But I say that because someone's nodding off to sleep, and I'm saying, you're trying to wake them up, okay? But I, so keep that in mind, it's not a religious aspect, it's because I'm trying to work crap. Anyways, <laughs> authority through Jesus. But let me say this right now, is that we believe in Jesus, but we're not religious. Jesus was the most anti-religious person out there. He was the man who all the time battled against the Pharisees who were religious. I said, you shouldn't be doing this on the Sabbath, you shouldn't be doing that, you should, who says that? But Jesus is like, uh, yeah, it's opposite the day with me. Everything is opposite, so we're going to do everything that you guys want, you know, it's opposite the day. So understand this, is that we as a church believe in Jesus, but we don't believe in religion. Is that okay with you? Amen. And if it's not, welcome to our church. <laughs> so, the second point here is that we have authority through prayer. Say prayer. prayer. I would say this aspect. If you're brand new to your faith and you're struggling in your faith, this is the first aspect you should start with, is through prayer. Even though you don't understand the whole Jesus thing, or the Bible, or whatever, but start through prayer. John 14, 13, and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, whose name is Jesus, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
if you ask anything in my name, I might do it. No, it says, I will do it. And the Bible says that the Bible is not, the Bible is not, not water. God's not a liar. Whatever you ask, if you ask anything in my name, what's anything? It means, here's, here's the deep word for that, okay? The deep word for anything means anything. <laughs> it's anything you want. Even that bird, anything. Even for my sibling, anything. Anything you want. And here's the thing. Well, I don't know if I should keep coming to God for the same thing over and over and over again. It's called faith. When you say, I gave this analogy before in the past, she believes that she belongs in here. But she's going to keep on asking. She's going to keep on asking. But I was sitting down with a youth, with my wife and our youth pastors. I got to say that we were really cool youth pastors. Our, our main pastors didn't like us that much. But we were cool youth pastors. We were not even like us because we were like causing all kinds of ruckus. One of our kids actually came here one time, one Sunday. He, we, played, we played hide and seek in our uh, big old warehouse. And I'm like, everyone, whoever was looking for the person had a flashlight. Big warehouse, all the 60 kids. And so everyone was hiding. Well, this guy named Eduardo, he came to church a couple days, a couple weeks ago. He hid climbing on a light pole. And so we're like, the lights were on because he was over. But okay, we're, we're like, where's Eduardo? I'm like, where is Eduardo? And randomly, like, ah! I'm like, oh, oh shoot, he broke his back. And then the pastor was like, why'd you guys do that? We didn't tell him to go up there. And then the kid was like, did you tell me not to? I'm like, dude, that kicked you. You're already down. <laughs> so, anyways, we were youth pastors, and we were having dinner. And this, this kid would ask me on the way over to dinner in the car, so this Pastor Cena, why do we have to pray? You already prayed about this person's situation. Why do we got to keep mentioning that same situation over and over and over again through prayer for the past month? It's annoying, isn't it annoying to God to keep asking the same thing over and over and over again? And I was like, well, let me give you an example. So we, we had our food. I took this plate, rolled it towards me. And we were sitting down with a bunch of kids with us. And we are talking to the other girl. We were talking to her and talking to her. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm going to show you something. I'm like, okay. So we're already eating. We're just talking. He's like, could I have my food back? I'm like, wait, wait, I'm going to show you something. And we're talking about her school and what's going on in her life. And he's like, can I have my food back? Great. That's it. I'll, talk, I'll give it to you when I give it to you. He's like, okay, so we're keep talking. And long story short, that's mine. I'm like, actually, you haven't paid for it yet. So it's in the belongs to Applebee's, not you. So <laughs> wait. And so we're keep talking. We're just talking. He's like, can I have my food back? I'm telling you, you asked me three times already. Why you asked me three times? Because I want my food. I slid it back to him. I said, remember the conversation we had about prayer? You know it belongs to you. You know you dang want it. You know you really, really want it. And you know the person across from you has it. So you're gonna keep on asking until you get it. And that is what prayer is. Prayer says, God, I know you have the resources. God, I know you have the healing. God, I know you have the peace. God, I know you have the finances, the, the resources that have been blessed. So I'm going to keep on asking you until I get it. And that is what prayer is. That's why keep on praying. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. Oh, here's another one, James 4.2. Yet you do not have because, why? You do not ask. That right there is a profound verse. That you do not have because you don't ask. And the King James Version says, you have not, because you ask not. You have not, because you ask not. So how many of you are, are asking for, or saying, I wonder why God hasn't given me X yet. I wonder why God hasn't given me this yet. Well, the question is, how much are you asking? 
How often are you asking? Well, I've asked once. Maybe that's a problem. So we have authority, not just because you're his son or daughter, but you have authority in your asking. The authority is in the ask. You have to ask. You have to let me know. You have not because you ask not. Jesus walks by Barabbas and says, what do you want? Jesus is walking by a blind man and says, what do you want? Dude, if I can curse right now, well, I, I, no ish, Sherlock, right? <laughs> what does a blind man want? Well, he wants to see. <laughs> but Jesus still asks him, what is it you want? That shows me in that passage that Jesus knows what you and I want. He knows what you and I need. But he's waiting to see if you're going to ask him for it. He's waiting to see, are you actually have enough faith for you to step out and tell him what you want? The third point here I want to make here is we have authority through worship. I make it a mission, my mission this year, right? Because someone that said, I had a consultant for our church. I said, you've got to focus on one thing for your church. Like, you know, let's not focus on growing numbers. I don't, you know, we'll, you will grow by numbers, but right now we're in a small location. So we'll grow that later on. But right now, I'm going to focus this coming months on growing in worship. And let me tell you why. Worship, I got to say this right now. I'm just going to say this. If anything and anything, the most important part of church is not this. You have to listen to podcasts and YouTubes. The purpose of us gathering is corporate worship. They call it a worship service. They don't call it a sermon service. They call it a worship service. Why? Because there's so much power and authority in our worship. When we sing, we're not doing karaoke all the way Filipino, and we love the karaoke and sing and jam it out and be like, you know, whatever it is. You know, dancing queen. You know, so like singing all the, world, singing all the cool karaoke songs. But you do know this, this aspect is, is that we're not here for karaoke. This is not a karaoke moment. This is us to actually tap into worship. Joshua 6.20. So when the people shouted, when the priest blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted the great shout, and the wall fell down flat. Then the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Before this, they were told to shut their mouth. Walk around seven times and shut your mouth. So the whole time in the wilderness, they kept yapping. They kept yapping, complaining, and bickering in the wilderness. What should have taken them 11 days, catch this, what should have taken them 11 days took them 40 years because they would not shut up. So Jesus says, you know what, I, guy, these guys need to go in that city. Everyone shut your mouth. Shut your mouth and don't say a word until I say something. Don't tell you to shout. And that's when they walk around the wall. You think they're interceding and praying and, and, and chanting and singing songs. They kept quiet until, okay, now shout. And then they took the city. My friends, understand this aspect. That there is power behind your shout. There's power behind your praise and your worship. When you worship, things will begin to fall. It's not just a matter of singing kumbaya. But actually from the heart, from the heart is a prayer. And saying that God, the Bible says in Psalms 22, that God inhabits, inhabits the praise of those people. If you are in your room by yourself, and you want to go ahead and say, I want the presence of God, how do you do that? 
How to, you don't call Ed's Ed to come to my house? <laughs> Just turn on some music on your radio, YouTube some hill songs, some other worship songs, and then just start worshiping. And begin to feel the atmosphere change around you. Begin to feel God's presence in that room. Because of worship transforms what's around you. What's interesting is that worship doesn't change what's around you. You just become more aware of Him. You become more aware of His presence. You see, we know, I studied hypnosis, master's hypnosis. Hypnosis is all about focus, of where you're focusing on. It's where you find a focus. And so when you worship, you're changing your focus over all the crap in your life right now. When you're going through all the crap in your life, you turn to worship, you get off of the pain and all the anxiety and all the stresses, and you begin to say, Jesus. Jesus. And just worship Jesus. And then he becomes to become glorified in your life. You know, we say the words magnify the Lord. It's a magnifying glass. Mm. What you look at becomes bigger than it really is. So if you magnify your problems, or you can magnify your God. Second <laughs> Chronicles 20, 20 to 25. So they rose early in the morning, and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and your inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army, saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. So here's the story. Jehoshaphat had a small, tiny army. And there was three different armies coming against him. And they were like, God, what are we going to do? These guys are much bigger in, in, in army. He says, we're going to be defeated. God said, praise me. God said, and so here you are, Jehoshaphat, assembling all the singers, all the musicians in the front lines. All right, guys, we're going to go to war against these three people, these three armies, three different armies, three different nations. And as they sing and praise, the Lord set ambush against the people of Moab, uh, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. And they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So two armies, but they destroyed one army. And then when they're done with that one army, they destroy each other. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. I'm sorry, but Stephen King had nothing on the Bible here. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoils, they found among them an abundance, say abundance, abundance of valuables, on the dead bodies and precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoils because why? The Bible makes it so clear. There was just so much. I mean, come on. This is not, 
I just copy and pasted this ish from the BibleGateway.com. Okay? I didn't add more things. This is from the Bible Gateway, from the Bible website. They were there three days gathering the spoils because there was so much. My friends, I, I want you to gather this perspective here. If you want to be rich, worship. Worship. Because God says, all right, you're dealing with problems, you're dealing with all kinds of headaches and hardness all around you. Worship me. Worship me. And when you worship me, like sincerely worship me, sing songs or praise in the middle of your pain. And then in the middle of your pain, all of your, your problems will just kill themselves off. Now, if you're dealing with like your in-laws and your cousin, <laughs> don't expect them to start going to war with each other. Oh, that was God. <laughs> no, no, no. Pray for that. No. But I'm just saying, this is showing you here what God can do in the middle of worship. And in the middle of worship, these guys were just hoping not to get killed. But they were hoping not to get killed. But Jesus says, you know, I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to save you. But you won't to lift a single finger. And I'm also going to give you so much money, so much blessings, that there's so much that you have to take three days, three whole days to gather. My friends, that is the God we serve. That's the reason why we have the Bible, by the way. To understand who is this guy in the G-O-D. Who is this man? How does he operate? And when we look at this, ah, this is how he operates. Okay. Well, if he takes to worship, then I love you forever. Just start singing. Worship. Worship gives us the authority. Matthew 14, 22, 33. It's kind of long here. So follow along. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. When he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and says, Be of good cheer, it is I! Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, okay, time out. I was talking to someone earlier about doubt. And this one here is a, is a good example here. When Peter himself doubts the word of the Lord, Jesus just said, it's me. And Peter's like, ah, I don't think it's you. I don't believe it's you. Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. <laughs> Make me walk on the water with you. So he said, come. And then Peter had come down out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the boisterous that he was afraid and began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? By the way, let me just say this right now. Jesus never condemned him for doubting. He never says you're horrible because you doubt. He never says you're not saved because you doubt. Jesus didn't say, Oh, you're no longer my disciple, you're no longer my homie because you doubt. The very man who Bible says, Jesus says, You are building my church on. And by the way, this is the same Peter who goes and denies Jesus three times. 
Talk about a doubting man. Talk about a man who has so much doubt in their life in front of Jesus, who's still alive. He says, if that's you, I hear you say it's you, but if it's you, tell me to come. And when he got in the boat, the wind stopped, ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. My friends, this is Matthew chapter 14. By this time, Jesus has been around them for so long, for a few years at least. And now they're just saying, oh, you're for sure that guy you say you are. <laughs> but you know what's funny? Say pause. pause. The disciples were hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus then asked the people, to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Can I just say this? Jesus does not demand you to know who he is before you hang around him. So there's other churches out there that says, you got to come to this church, but before you come to this church, you got to believe this way, you got to understand this, you got to sign this agreement saying you understand and believe our beliefs, and X, Y, and Z, all of our doctrines. Jesus, even to his disciples, says, who do you say I am? Even after months and years of being with him. Truly, you are the Son of God. Peter began to sink when he takes his eyes off of Jesus. My friends, your authority comes through Jesus. It's worshiping Jesus. It's praying to Jesus. Your authority is Jesus. That's the reason why you pray in the name of Jesus. When someone says praying, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying, and we're praying, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying, and they say amen. And I look up, I'm like, whoa. Who do we just pray to, bro? <laughs> okay? Always stamp it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray, not exactly words, we don't say that exactly that, but just something along the lines like, God, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Or sometimes when we hear me pray, or my angel will pray, we'll say, God, we just declare healing in the name of Jesus, because we're declaring that in the name of Jesus. You can't come in the name of Stephen, because nothing's going to happen. Okay? When we say in the name of Jesus, now you have all kinds of authority behind that. Because you're using in the name, I mean, come on now, here in America, back in the days, they say, stop in the name of the law. I come to you in the name of the queen. Their authority is given to them by who they submit under. So as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, you got all kinds of authority, my friends. But the moment you take your eyes out of Jesus, the moment you begin to sink. Psalms 8, 4, and 6. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels. And you crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. And here's the kicker. You put everything, everything under their feet. In the last passage we talked about there, talks about them being in a storm. A squall was coming, the, the winds, the waves. That's how they thought it was a ghost, because it was really windy. But that story shows us that everything that they were, they were scared to drown, they were scared to go under. But that story shows us the very thing that's meant to take you down. Jesus says, come and walk on top of it. For everything we put under your feet. And you made them rulers, Authority, dominion over the works of your hands. Everything he puts, we made. We have rulers over, we're ruler over. And you put everything 
under their feet. My friends, if you're here tonight and you feel that you have no authority in your life, then come to Jesus. If, you, if you're saying, I'm living life right now and I have everything over me, not under my feet, I feel like I'm drowning. Jesus. That's the answer. Jesus. And it's okay to doubt. Well, how do I know it's Jesus? Try it. It's called faith. You have authority through prayer. You have authority through Jesus. You have authority through worship. It falls to Jesus. Everyone's eyes closed, heads bowed. Father God, tonight, we thank you that we do have the authority in your name. It is my prayer that every person in the sound of my voice would begin to walk in that newness of faith that they have the authority. And tonight you're here, and you're here in person in our living room, and you're saying, Stephen, I need to renew my faith in Jesus. I need to renew this, this, this relationship I have. If that's you, can you just wave at me a little bit so I can pray for you? I can embarrass you. Amen. 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 Everyone just pray this prayer aloud with me and say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. I renew my faith in you. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus. Give me that authority to trample everything under my feet. I take dominion now. I proclaim heaven as my home. God is my Father. And I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Let me pray for all of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, please put your hands in front of you that you're receiving. That you're receiving, just receive it. Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus that you give us a renewed authority upon every person here tonight who would receive from you. Father, it is our prayer that you would begin to pour a new revelation of confidence in our lives, a new revelation of of a boldness in our prayers, a new revelation of faith to rise up against the storms and the waves of life and that we would take dominion over the things that are taking us out. So God, we thank you in advance for what you're doing in our midst. We pray now for every person in this place we even have a single shadow of a doubt in their hearts that you begin to answer them. You're not there to condemn them for their doubts, but answer them. God, bless us, anoint us, and bring us your favor. We love you, we worship you. In Jesus' name I pray this. And everyone says, Amen. Thanks for listening to this life-giving message from Living Faith Church. For more information about our church, text the word podcast to 1-888-305-2303. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we will see you next time on the Living Faith Church Podcast.